It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, September 23rd, after the LA Galaxy's 2-1 victory over the Montreal Impact on Saturday. Uh, an important win for the LA Galaxy may not have been as pretty as a 7-2 victory, uh, but I think everybody within the LA Galaxy organization, the players, uh, the fans, everybody will uh, will take that and, and be very happy with it. So we want to talk about that game. Also want to go over a whole bunch of MLS news or LA Galaxy news uh, related to MLS, including uh, where the Galaxy are in the standings, you know, sort of the different takes that you can look at in terms of how safe they are in the Western Conference, and all of this, of course, is getting you ready for the weekend matchup, or excuse me, the midweek matchup with Real Salt Lake at in Sandy, Utah on Wednesday night. So a preview of uh, two playoff teams, perhaps. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. Uh, before we get too far, let's welcome back to the show, the Pandem himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, congratulations. It's great to be with you on show number 700. It's a real, uh, <laughs> a, a real, uh, you know, a, a real honor to, to, to be part of this historic show. You finally reached, reached 700 and, and this is just great. Kevin, are you a little salty about being on show number 699? Is that, I am not an opening act. <laughs> yeah, <I> was, <laughs> you're, you're the comedian that nobody knows the name of that gives a good tight 10 minutes. And then, you know, 700 comes, everybody knows who Zlatan is. Nobody knows who Luke Rogers is. Is that, is that sort of well, what you're feeling you right see, now? I'm, I'm convinced that this is show 700 and I think you need to go back and count them all again. I think this is a, a VAR situation. You know what's funny is that uh, you could be right. I mean, it could. I could have miscounted. There are some miscellaneous shows in there that I always have to count in order to make sure that they were correct. Um, and my numbering system just, I think we've gone over this before. My numbering system isn't exactly like, oh, this is show 699 and this is show 700. This is like show 237 of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. And I have, you know, show number 500 and something or 490 something of Corner of the Galaxy, our Monday and our, and our Thursday shows. Um, so there's a very good chance this could be show number 700. It's not, it's show number 699 by, by my accounting. Um, however, you know, if you want to make it 700 in your mind, you know, at least just in your mind, that tiny little mind, if you want to do that, we can make this, you know, 699 and a half. I've seen you do math. I'm sure it's show number <laughs> 715 or something. I'm, I, I'm ahead on goal differential. You're, you're, you're in the positives? You're, you're in the positives on goal? Hey, you know what? The LA Galaxy are in the positive in goal differential for, for the first time in a little time. Uh, plus one now uh, in the goal differential range, which after the 7-2 victory over uh, Sporting Kansas City got them to even at zero, and then the 2-1 win over Montreal uh, gets them the plus one. So that's also, but you know, a, a you thing. were talking earlier and I know you're going to mention this again, galaxy with 11 wins at home have a chance to tie the franchise record for home wins. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The, the franchise record is 12 home wins. So 12, that doesn't mean that they have the most points at home over any season. It just means that currently, uh, they are at 11 wins, which by the way, ties them for second and with a whole bunch of other seasons, but, uh, they have a chance for 12 wins at home, which would be, uh, tying the franchise record, uh, also in 98, um, in 2000 and let's see, I, I have them all, uh, 98, 2011 and 2014 are the, are the years they got 12 wins at home. But here's another interesting stat. Do you know one of the teams tied for second for fewest home losses, two two losses at home. LAFC has one loss at home, 
Yes. Uh, and New York City has one loss at home, but one fewer win. Then there's a, a few teams tied uh, for second with two losses at home. One of those teams is the Chicago Fire. <laughs> They've only lost two games at home, but they haven't won very many games at home, though, right? I mean, we're, we're still on board with that. No, eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're eight, two, eight, two, and six. I mean, you look at some of these records, it's like Dallas, who we'll talk about in a little bit, they're, they're stick up forking them. They're done. They only lost once at home this year. Yeah, yeah. It, Nine, one, and six. Well, well, it's funny as well if you go and look and, and try to uh, take into account the entire league in, in looking at these, uh, these wins. Uh, no team has 12 wins in Major League Soccer currently. Um, at home. No team has 12 wins at home in Major League Soccer. There's a bunch of 11. Atlanta have 11. LAFC have 11. The Galaxy have 11. And the Galaxy's opponent coming up on Wednesday have 11 as well. So RSL, um, although I don't didn't check the schedules on the other one, RSL could be a team that gets to 12 wins for the first time at home in uh, in, in 2019. It's a, it's a weird sort of parsing of the facts. I'm not saying that it's you know anything ridiculously interesting, um, but it is... You know, for all the people who want to say how bad the LA Galaxy have been, um, or at least how inconsistent they've been, they've been very consistent at home, um, going, you know, 12, um, excuse me, going 11, 4, and 1 at home this season is not a bad look. The losses with 4 is a little bit higher than probably the average. The average number of losses probably in Galaxy history is probably right around like 3.75, right around 4 at home, but there's a lot more draws at home is usually what happens. Um, but the LA Galaxy at home have been as good as most LA Galaxy teams and some successful LA Galaxy teams have been, um, you know, in their history. Here's another goofy stat. You know, MLS is adding another team in Texas, Austin. The two Texas teams this year, Houston and Dallas, they have combined for 25 road losses. The state of Texas has five wins and 25 losses on the road, but all three California teams, which would be LAFC, the Galaxy, and San Jose, all have double-digit wins at home. Wow. They have won a total of 32 games at home. All that means nothing at all. It's just kind of cool. To <laughs> you, ju- you, ju- you just counted them, and now you want to yeah. tell everybody. I know. That's I, right, yeah. I feel the same way about it all the time. See, that's how I, that's how I know that this is the 700th show. Because you were counting. I'm counting stuff, yeah. All right, the LA Galaxy gets a 2-1 win over Montreal, Kevin. I, you know, I alluded to it at the beginning of the show, and I said, you know, it's not the it's not the same as a 7-2 win. And Guillermo uh, said the same as well after after the game. You know, he was like, hey, you know, this you're never going to match what happened against Sporting Kansas City when you score seven goals. He goes, but he was happy with the result overall. He said he was happy with what happened. Um, the Galaxy get the 2-1 victory. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic gets a goal. Uriel Antuna gets a goal. Uh, that is Uriel Antuna's third goal in his th- last three consecutive starts um, that he had because he had one uh, 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 substitute appearance that came off there where he didn't score a goal. But in his last three starts, he has three goals. So Thank or- you, Mexican national team. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he does have that confidence. Listen, if you go back and watch him with the Mexican national team, though, you you look at the competition he played against and you sort of say, okay, you know, it wasn't great. But but Antuna now with these three goals in these last three games, you he is becoming... A right guy, a right place, right time kind of guy, um, which is great for the LA Galaxy, by the way. You you need one of those guys. You know, Landon Donovan was one of those guys. Robbie Keane was. Robbie Keane made a career off of one creating chances. Don't want to diminish that, but two being in the right place at the right time, and it takes a soccer intelligence in order to be at the right place at the right time. But the Galaxy get the two goals. They they ship one goal, um, which was uh, a a non dangerous chance. 
Um, I don't know how to put that mildly, except that from Montreal attacking, there really wasn't a lot there. And just some miscommunications between Daniel Stairs um, and Julian Araujo leave open uh, a Montreal player. So you get all that. But I mean, you know, do you feel, Kevin, did, did that win over Montreal, the way that they, they were able to grind it out, does it feel like this LA Galaxy team is still sort of marching with that momentum that they have been building over probably the last three or four games? Well, you know, Guillermo talked about it after the game. The, the Galaxy have been woefully inconsistent. You know, they had that great April. Uh, then they, since April, they've won consecutive games until the Montreal game. They had won back-to-back games just once in May, both those games on the road. Had won back-to-back games at home uh, for a long time. Um, but Guillermo talked about it after the game. He said, you know, a lot of times the team that wins, and he's right, only three teams have won the Supporter Shield uh, since 2002 and gone on to win the MLS Cup. Um, and he said that he said like, a lot of teams that win the supporter shield, they do not win the MLS cup. The teams that do well in the playoffs are the teams that enter the playoffs hot and the galaxy are hot right now. There are two wins. Yeah, that's modest. Two wins back, uh, back to back, but they're the only team in the Western conference that have won their last two games. And in addition to those back to back wins since August 14th, they are the second hottest team in the conference. As far as points in those seven games, they've got 11 points, only Colorado, who's pretty much out of the playoff picture. Um, only Colorado has more points. So the Galaxy are getting hot. And there's some other things. You talked about Antuna. We've talked a lot about how Zalatana is the whole offense. Well, Antuna has scored in his last three starts. Pavone has uh, seven assists. No, excuse me, six assists and a goal in his eight starts. And if you want to look at, um, you know, Zalatana has 11 goals in his last seven games. But if you really want to look at the turning point, it may very much be when Pavone came over. Yes. Remember, his his transfer was held up for a little while, but he's played in eight games. The Galaxy are 3-3-2 three, three, and two in those eight games. That's their best stretch since April. Yeah, they've... Uh, no, I, I think if you're going to point to, you know, ultimately, if you look at this and say, oh, you know, if the LA Galaxy are really going to go on a run, you want to point to something that changed the season for the Galaxy, it's getting, you know, Christian Pavone. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has already basically, you know, talked about how great Pavone is. Um, in terms of you know what he brings to this team, uh, his skill set, his ability, uh, the fact that in this Montreal game that Christian Pavone does not score a goal is is almost uh, highway robbery when you look at it. I mean the the goal that was created for Uriel Antuna's uh, game winning goal in this one, Kevin, is all a hustle play by Pavone, and you need somebody hustling because as we've seen with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he is he conserves his energy very well. Uh, in terms of not always running, not always chasing after the ball. He is almost 38 years old coming up. I think on October 3rd is when his uh, his birthday is. He's 30, almost 38 years old. I can speak as a 38-year-old, a recent 38-year-old. I can tell you that I do not move nearly as fast as I used to. Um, and I must also conserve my energy throughout the day, and I'm not even a professional athlete. So Zlatan Ibrahimovic, doing what he's doing in Major League Soccer at his age, uh, needs to conserve his energy. And you can go ahead and call him lazy if you want, but it's not laziness, it's smartness, it's it's him knowing what his body is capable of doing. And by the way, Zlatan played like this in a lot of places. Um, it, 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 he's, he's very smart in the way he moves. But if you're going to have a guy who's stationary like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, if you're going to have a guy who will definitely take some plays off knowing that he needs to conserve that energy, then you need so, you need some people who are going to hustle their butts off on the other side of things because really it's going to be 10 v 11 at one point uh, whenever it comes to you know Zlatan not tracking back or other things, and that's with a lot of strikers, but especially with Zlatan. Um, you're, it's going to be 
10 v 11 and you need that energy. And what you saw from this Galaxy team in this particular case, Christian Pavone, energy. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, Kevin, energy. Uh, jo uh, Joe Corona, uh, I have some stats on him, energy. Uh, so, and, and Uriel and Tuna, energy. These are guys now, if you look on the field, this is a high-energy team. Uh, Dave Romney was talking after this game, Kevin, and it was funny because he actually mentioned the Galaxy having an identity, um, which is something that we I think everybody's sort of been waiting to sort of plaster, uh, you know, them with. And he was talking about, you know, uh, about keeping possession. He was talking about, you know, the quick, good counterattacks. He was talking about, um, you know, pressuring this, pressuring uh, the players on the ball. And he's talking about this, this being the team's identity. And I think what you've seen in the last two games is that identity being enforced. I think they're still going to allow goals on the defensive side, but this, this identity seems to actually be finally rising through the surface. Well, you know, uh, uh, people get tired of hearing it, but just the Dave Romney fan club here saying that Dave Romney back-to-back -back starts, Galaxy outscore their opponents 9-3, to win back-to-back -back games for the first time since May. Yeah. You know, uh, there's something to be said there. You can't look at the stats and say, oh yeah, this is how he did it, this is what he did, but as it has happened the last couple of years, when he gets a starting spot at the end of the season, the team seems to get really hot, and they're doing it again. And I'm not saying Dave Romney is the only reason. You know they, they, that when Zlatan scores, the, t the team has won 12 times, and when he doesn't, they, uh, they've only won three times. I mean, it, clearly Zlatan has a, uh, the biggest uh, say in, in how the team does, and Pavone and some others as well. But Dave Romney, you can't argue with it. He's gotten two starts, and they've won back-to-back -back games for the first time since May. That's pretty good. It, it, but it, it seems, I don't know, it, it seems almost unfair. Everybody comes to this the conclusion towards the end of the season. It's, you know, that, that Dave can play in that position. And he's doing he's doing a great job. I have some I have some stats that I, I think he actually, you know, sort of fits in. Most passes, the most passes um, during this game. Uh, if you had to guess who made the most passes in this game, Kevin, who would it be? Well, I mean, just where he plays, I would say Jonathan. You would, and he is not in the top three. Uh, I agree with you, by the way. I would have said Jonathan Dos Santos as well. Uh, the guy with the most passes was Joe Corona. He had 70. The, the guy in second place was Sebastian Legette. He had 54. And the guy who had the third most passes was Dave Romney with 47. See, that's that energy you're talking about. I mean, you, you need every team that's successful, or most teams that's successful, the way you want to build a team is you always have a superstar and you build around him, whatever sport, you know, LeBron James, whatever. But as you said, Zlatan um, so, and LeBron, they take a number of plays off. They're older. They're, they're you know, they, they have a role in the team. That means you need to fill that roster with those, as you said, the high energy guys, the, the lunch bucket guys, the hustlers. Um, Pavone is proving to be one of those guys, which is a little surprising because he came in with this sort of elite uh, reputation and you kind of thought he might be one of those guys that would just wait for the ball to come to him. That, you know, he's been one of those high energy hustle guys. And and you need guys like Romney and Corona, again, those blue collar lunch bucket guys who will do that. And I think Dave does that. And I think that's one reason why you, in this case, you can look at the stats, but for the most part, you see Dave play 90 minutes and the team wins and you wonder what he did. Well, he contributed energy and hustle and enthusiasm and a lot of those other things that it's very hard to measure. Uh, it, this is this is more interesting stats whenever I kind of looked at it. This the most touches was Joe Corona as well. So he had the most passes and the most touches. They kind of correlate a little bit, so that makes some sense. He had 87 touches on the night. Uh, Julian Araujo had the second most touches with 75, and then Christian Pavone was 74. Um, I take what you say about Pavone. You know, we had heard so many things about how he just he got back from the World Cup and he was like, "Hey, I'm awesome." 
and I don't need to train and I don't need to practice. And so you expected that there was going to be some sort of adjustment to Major League Soccer for him. And all I've seen from him is a guy who goes out there and works extremely hard for 90 minutes. Um, a guy who just, it's about work rate and, and certainly he has the quality and it certainly has the creativity and the, and the technical ability to do all the things that he does, but he works harder than a lot of people. And that's another reason that he is successful out there, but you see him out there. Um, and I get no sense of either whenever I've talked to him or seeing him interact with people that he is bigger than the team. He seems like he came in and just instantly became, you know, an integral part of this team and is able to depend on everybody and everybody depends on him. Um, we talk about, you know, players always needing an adjustment sort of when they come to Major League Soccer, and, and you said it. Um, you know, he has uh, six assists and one goal in his eight games that he's played. There's been no adjustment really needed for him so far. And whether or not that's just his talent talent and ability just is so far over what Major League Soccer is sort of needing from him, or um, whether that is, you know, just the fact that he's out here and, and working for Guillermo Barrascolota, but whatever it is, that that chemistry right now is working, and I think the Galaxy are hopeful that that works, you know, next year as well, whether or not Zlatan comes back or not, but that Christian Pavone is going to be, you know, an integral part of this LA Galaxy team for the next two to three years with the way that he's playing. Well, a couple of things. Joe Corona obviously has gotten much better since he got engaged, so that was a, a good move. Yes. Secondly, with Pavone, one of the things with Pavone, you talked about this during the game, where Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan were not the best of friends, um, but they were great. They were both superstars, and they respected each other, and there was a chemistry on the field that was unspoken. They knew what each other was going to do. I kind of feel the same. I, I feel of all the players on the Galaxy that Zalatan gives that reverence and that respect to Pavone, and Pavone understands that the job of the team is to get the, even though he's a scorer, the job of the team is to get the ball to Zalatan, but he's also the one guy who will dribble in and take a shot of his own. So look, if I'm open, I'm going to take a shot. And he's only scored the one goal in eight games and he's had the six assists. So it, it seems to be working. I, I, I don't notice Ibra, you know, giving those gestures to Pavone when he shot, when he shoots like he does with other players. He doesn't seem to be as frustrated when Pavone shoots. So I think he, of all the players, Ibra may may look at uh, Pavone and and that's the one guy that he respects and trusts and they do seem to have sort of this Keen Donovan relationship. Yeah, yeah, and and you know whenever I was saying that you know the part of that understanding and that you know that chemistry and that understanding is just the fact that you know higher level players and players who are who can play at you know the upper levels of, of professional soccer have just these innate abilities to to think the same way or think differently the same way because a lot of times you see these guys just thinking differently but thinking differently on the same page um, and so you can see that you see that from Zlatan and you see the sort of the understanding of you know on a given go he knows where Pavone is going to be uh, Pavone knows where Ibra is going to be they don't miss each other that much and so there's just this give and take and a yin and yang and I think you know Roman Alessandrini can bring some of that as well I don't think to the same level but I think Roman you know if he makes it back and can also sort of think on sort of those upper levels and in and, and attacking. So um, you're seeing that. I, I think, you know, you talk about uh, uh, Ibrahimovic not throwing up his hands and sort of disgust at, at Pavone, but what you did see in this game was a frustrated Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin. You saw him not be able to finish, I think, some easy chances. I think he thinks some easy chances. Um, and so he, he didn't have the game that I think we all expected. So between him and Pavone, Christian Pavone did a ton of work and got, you know, no goals for it. Ended up getting an assist, maybe two assists. Um, maybe it was just one. I can't remember off the top of my head. I can look at this. 
staff. No, the first one, there's, there's a lot to go. Remember, it, it came off that ricochet thing. It's from, unassisted, although yeah. that's a tough one to be unassisted. And Jonathan Dos Santos' shot comes in, and then it goes off of Antuna down to, to Ibrahimovic. It wasn't a... It wasn't a thought by Antuna to do that, but it, it ended up working. Um, but no, I mean, you, you see Pavone come in and, and do this. Pavone deserved to have two or three goals on the night. Uh, Ibrahimovic probably deserved to have a couple of goals on the night. But let's not forget Evan Bush had an awesome game. Ten that, saves. That, yeah, ten yeah, saves from Evan high. Bush. Yeah, ten saves from Evan Bush and uh, probably took two or three goals away from the Galaxy easily in terms of, you know, those are like, you know, I, I didn't see what the expected goals was on this, but my guess it might have been up over uh, two or three. Uh, in this game just because of the positions the Galaxy were stopped at uh, by Evan Bush. So yeah, tip of the hat to Evan Bush, but I, I think Slaton and I think Pavone both think that they probably should have had uh, a couple more um, a couple more goals in that one. And I think most Galaxy fans would expect that that also um, would have come to fruition in this game. But um, did you do you sense that you know Ibrahimovic was was frustrated and and during the game and and certainly after the game I think he was happy for the win but wasn't exactly happy with his overall performance. Yeah, I, I, the first half is when I thought he uh, was kind of off his game a little bit. That's when he seemed to have the most trouble. He had a couple of open chances after the goal that he should have put away, and he did appear frustrated with himself. The second half, he put most of those shots on target, and Bush was just too good. There was one sequence about midway through the second half when I think Zalatan had two shots within just a couple of seconds of one another, and, and Bush made the save both times. Um, it, it, that it could have been much more, much more one-sided. The Galaxy clearly controlled that game. And so you look at, you say, well, they scored seven goals and now two. Um, they're building momentum. Yeah, they are because, they, they, as you said, they could have had three, four, maybe even five goals if, if Evan Bush hadn't had such a great game and things had broken just a little bit better for the Galaxy. Um, as you're uh, as you're looking at all this, uh, I thought it was an interesting one. I had to pull the stat out. I, I don't know that I blew your mind with it, but it certainly blew my mind whenever I read it. Uh, Montreal conceded just one foul the entire night. They only fouled the LA Galaxy once all night. Just one. It was in the 48th minute. It was in the second half. How did we in the press box and nobody else, and I didn't, didn't have any fans bring this up to me, nothing. How did nobody bring up the fact that Montreal only got called for one foul? By the way, the Galaxy, I, I, this is not a complaint about the, the, the fouls on the night. Because the Galaxy only got charged for seven fouls, which is pretty light for them. But there was only one foul on the night from Montreal. It came in the 48th minute. Kevin Stott called it, and that was it. Montreal didn't have another foul the entire night. Um, which is which is craziness. That's crazy, Kevin. Come on. Well, does, does that say something about? I mean, they came here without three starters. Um, they had to move a midfielder up to play forward just to to fill out the lineup. Uh, does that say something about maybe the 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 desire that the impact had coming in when when you look at the coaching staff leaving three starters back home? They're fighting for a playoff spot. Do you do you think maybe their mentality a little bit was like? If they don't care, we don't care. Yeah, no, because, I mean, if you look at the shots and you look at sort of the, the stats and how it goes, I mean, Montreal still launched 14 shots. Now, only three of those came on target, which I think you credit the LA Galaxy defense for. Um, you know, one of those ends up getting through, and, and I could talk about how Dave Romney got double teamed on the outside and had to pick. And, you know, uh, the, the philosophy with the LA Galaxy, it certainly seems, is to, um, is to, to be able to take up and allow space 
uh, as a defender. So, you know, you want to close down space, but you're going to allow space until you at least hit the 18-yard box. Once you hit the 18-yard box, you're going to hold that box. Um, and that seems to sort of be how the Galaxy are. So Montreal, in this particular case, come up uh, down the right-hand side. Uh, there's two players because Pavone had been caught forward on the previous play, and he wasn't tracking back. None of the midfielders were able to shift over and take the space away. And so Romney had two guys he had to keep track of, so he doesn't go out and close the space because he has to keep track of two guys. That ball comes in, and it goes over Dan Stairs, and, and that's it. Okay, so we, we've sort of looked at that, and that's where that, that goal comes from. But only three shots on target. David Bingham uh, only had to make two saves on the night, um, and that's a pretty quiet at night, even with 12, even with 14 shots being generated from the Montreal Impact. Now, the Galaxy on the other side there, Kevin, 25 shots, um, you know, 12 shots on target. Uh, they had seven shots off target. They, you know, they had a pretty interesting night in terms of offensive production, but saying that Montreal was sort of like, we don't care, uh, you look at the second half of this game, and it's certainly the second half of the second half. Um, you can see that Montreal wanted to tie that game, and they were pressing forward, and the LA Galaxy had run out of steam, uh, which is a a certainly a a moniker of this team, a, a team that that runs out of steam, you know, in the second half after exerting a ton of pressure. And if the Galaxy aren't up a whole bunch of goals, um, then that pressure could come back. I thought the the way they were able to grind it out was good, but you look at the possession you know, sort of charts, and it's LA Galaxy all the way up until about 15 or 20 minutes into the second half, uh, and then that switches over to Montreal, and this game ends up being basically a 50-50 possession game for the Galaxy, who ended up defending the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, whenever you look at this, uh, it, they, forced, they, they did force uh, Montreal to make 30 clearances, uh, which is a ton. Um, whenever you look at that. But in, in terms of them not caring, I felt like they were more than in this game and probably longer than the LA Galaxy wanted them to be. Well, you talk about that late game collapse, which has been a problem all season. I mean, that's where I think Guillermo needs a little bit better job with his game management. He needs to, he's got a lot of, it, it, you look at that and you say, well, there are old, you know, Zlatan never comes out of a game for one thing. And he's, as you said, about to be 38. They have some older legs on that team. You know, even Corona, you know, he's right around 30. They they have some older guys and, and they have a ton of young players on the bench. You know, Alvarez, usually Araujo's on the bench. Um, it, I just think maybe when you get that lead, there needs to be a point, point where Guillermo says, okay, some of these guys are flagging a little bit. Let's get in and protect that lead. Um, that doesn't mean you park the bus. I mean, a guy like right. Efren Alvarez is going to push forward. But I'd like to see maybe some of the guys come off the bench a little bit earlier. To, the, the game management could be better, I think. Yeah, I don't think Zlatan's ever coming out of a game. I don't. That's and and I said it during uh, during the seven two game. You know, I'm like, okay, it's time to pull Zlatan out. It's it's good. You, you're done. You don't need him to run anymore. But Zlatan's not going to come out. And Zlatan will tell Guillermo when he wants to come out. And yes. Guillermo could pull Zlatan, but I think this relationship goes that way, that Zlatan will play every minute that he possibly can. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has more minutes than Jonathan Dos Santos right now. Uh, to put that sort of in, they played the same number of games, started the same number of games, uh, and he has more minutes because uh, on occasion, Jonathan Dos Santos will actually come out of a game, uh, whereas Zlatan Ibrahimovic has not had one appearance in which he started the game that was less than 90 minutes. Um, so, you know, you, you look at that, and I also think that there's a big sort of takeaway here, Kevin, is that, you know, Zlatan talked afterwards about not being interested in these individual awards, and I, I kind of believe him up to a certain point, and, you know, he was even asking how the MLS Golden Boot uh, works. He goes, oh, does it count for the playoffs, too? And we're like, no, it's just the regular season. He's like, oh, okay. He, he sort of seemed to be like, yeah, yeah, I, I know where it is, and I know where Carlos Vela is up to a certain point, and I know where Joseph Martinez is up to a certain point, but that he's not interested in that, but I feel like he's still interested in that. If he's not interested in it, 
if he's really not interested in it, then coming up in this RSL game, if I'm Guillermo Barrescoloto, I probably leave Zlatan at home. Um, I think I leave him at home anyways. It's a game at altitude. It's a midweek game. We'll talk about the stands in a minute. It would be nice to win it. It would be helpful to win it, but they don't need to win it. They don't even need to draw. We'll talk about the playoff yeah. position in a minute, but the Galaxy are looking really good. Um, it, again, a midweek game. It's away from home. He has to travel. Um, and uh, he was hurt at the end of the game. He'll talk about uh, explain the injury that Zlatan talked about afterwards. Yeah, so we all saw it in the second half. He got kicked or he twisted his ankle somehow, and it was in uh, going for a ball uh, down in uh, in Montreal's box. Uh, so he went down, and he said afterwards, and, and Damian Calhoun uh, rightfully asked the question. He said, you know, did you come out of this game healthy? And Zlatan said, yeah, yeah. He goes, you know, I twisted my ankle, and he goes, I think I, twi- you know, I sort of tweaked the nerve a little bit because I couldn't feel my foot for a while. Um, and so we all saw that. We saw him limping afterwards. We saw him get up slowly. We saw him not run as much for a little while. Um, he goes, but I can feel it, and it's all fine, and everything's good. So he came back. So, I mean, again, that listen, Zlatan's been dealing with an Achilles issue the whole year. We know that. He hasn't been training much. Yeah, and, and by the way, no, he doesn't need to. He's, yeah, he's I, mean, right, I, yeah. I think that is the way going forward. I mean, what... We, what are you going to teach a lot on the training pitch? What does he really need to no, do? You're just trying to work on chemistry, and right now the chemistry seems to be where it's at, so you let these guys do. I mean, you're going to get chemistry. There's not that much break between a game on Saturday and a game on Wednesday that you're going to lose chemistry between that. So uh, let Zlatan you know, not train. In fact, somebody said, you know, does Zlatan train for the rest of the year? And I'm like, well, you don't tell him to stay out of it, but there is going to be a week off between you know the Vancouver game and the last game of the season against Houston. My guess is he'll show up to one of those trainings at least. So he and then there's another week off if they make the playoffs they have another week off after that so after this midweek game after this rsl game it the schedule gets real lax and and that's yet another reason why don't push it do you really need him to score two goals against rsl when the result doesn't really matter that much no you need him uh you know when the playoffs start i i still think though there's something in the back of my mind that says that Zlatan knows that you know basically if he can get win the mls golden boot that he has a better chance at mvp and you know he wants to be MVP, even if he says, I'm the MVP of all MVPs, so I don't worry about that. Uh, that's a Zlatan way of saying that. But, I mean, I still think there's a very good chance if Zlatan Ibrahimovic scores and, and wins this golden boot, um, you know, on Major League Soccer side, uh, I think that he could be indeed be called the MVP, especially if he's, he's seen Kevin, I think, as you said last week, as, like, leading this team, as pulling this team to the playoffs. Uh, the way he has in setting a, an LA Galaxy single season scoring he record. Said, he, he said afterward at the game, he said, I am the MVP of the MVP, so I don't focus on that. And then last week, it, that's actually a step down, because last week he called himself the best player in MLS history. Right. I think I would vote for him or be t- at least tempted to vote for him for MVP right now. On the season, the Galaxy 12-3-2 when he scores. Right. So they've lost three of 17 games when he scores, or three 10-1 and one when he doesn't score. I mean, that that's pretty indicative right now. And it's 27 goals, as you've mentioned a couple times. That is a franchise record. Do you also know that no player uh, up until last season, no player in MLS history had scored more than 27 goals? We have Josef Martinez last year at 31, right. and Carlos Vela this year is 29. The 27 is tied for third most all time. Two years ago, this would have been the MLS single season record. So that's a, and he's missed what four games. That's a pretty incredible season. He's he's had more than an incredible season. It's been it's been again. I think we talked about it last Monday. Just trying to sort of you know corral your mind around what you've seen from him and and how it all just looks sort of normal. 
um, from a re- from sometimes. Sometimes it looks r- ridiculous and amazing, and sometimes it's just you know a normal thing. Oh, yep, Zlatan scored. That's isn't that what's supposed to happen? I mean, you go back and look at all these games, and you're like, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Zlatan scores goals. Um, in fact, he scores them in bunches most of the time. So uh, anyway, no, I think that. I think that all of this, you know, in terms of, you know, looking at Zlatan and what you want to do with him and how this whole game sort of, you know, comes around is that, you know, with Zlatan in these last couple of games, I mean, you know, this could be the last couple of games with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, even going into the playoffs uh, on the LA Galaxy. We don't know what he's decided and we I don't think we will know what is decided, um, you know, until after this season is over. Uh, I'll tell you this, a, a little anecdote. Um, after I got done talking to all the players on Saturday night, in which they were uh, changing the field over for the uh, Chargers to come out and lose the next day, apparently. Um, so they had all the goalposts up, and so I couldn't go you know, walk out on the field and then go back up the one way. I went through the elevator instead, and so I was uh, waiting for the elevator with some people, and they were uh, they were asking me about my wife and when my wife was due, and I said, you know, December 19th is when, my wife is, when we're supposed to be having our baby. That's the due date. And they're like, oh, what a good off-season baby. I'm like, yeah. I go, but she is kind of anxious for this season to be over because she wants me home doing stuff with her more often. And I said, I understand. She goes, so she, she said to me, um, and, and, you know, take this for what it wills. This is a pregnant woman. Uh, she says, uh, she says, you know, I'd be fine if the LA Galaxy missed the playoffs this year because then you'd be home to do some of this stuff. I said, I understand where you're coming from on that. I understand. And, and I'll do my best to be at home and all those things. But I have this weird feeling about, the, uh, the the LA Galaxy this year. I go in the way they're playing right now and the way they're coming together and the way things are pointed, I'm expecting them to be in MLS Cup on November 10th. As a matter of fact, on my calendar, I blocked it out because there's just something about the way this has been leading um, and the way that things have been going these last probably... I would say month, month and a half even. I know the the results don't necessarily show that, but you could sort of seeing things starting to gain momentum in in in, the, in that time since Christian Pavone came along. And there's just something about this team that you know, Sophie has said it, you have said it. I think uh, you know, Eric has said it too. Is that just people do not want to meet this team in the playoffs? And and if they get there, which it looks like they're going to get there, it, it feels like this team could end up on November 10th, you know, at MLS Cup. Whether they're hosting it or not, who knows? But. Well, teams do not want to see this team in the playoffs for one reason, Zlatan. And that's, again, why I would be very cautious with this injury. Um, the Galaxy are a good but certainly not a great team without him. Uh, and it's a team that I think then struggles to score and struggles to, to win one-goal games. You know, of his 27 goals, eight have been game winners. Nobody else in MLS has more than six game-winning goals. He has eight. Um, and here's another thing. When you talk about needing to push for that home field uh, first-round game. Again, if they have the first-round game at home, uh, if they finish fourth, they would get the first-round game at home and then would probably go on to, well, they, if they won it, they would go on to play LAFC on the road. But the point is, home goals. It's a lot done as 27 goals. 21 of those uh, goals have come at home, yes. only six on the road. So not only is the team different at home, it's a lot times different at home. And then finally, if, and it is possible that the Galaxy could play host to MLS Cup and we – we're not going to go through all the machinations here, but it is possible. Does Emma Malia sing the national anthem for that game? Yeah, I mean, they just they just put out a, a tweet about you know her uh, the the LA Galaxy did you know saying it was you know this is a year ago I think it was a year ago today it might have been today yeah, yeah a year ago today uh, she sang the national anthem for for the LA Galaxy game and you know then blew up as a as an internet sensation an internet sensation by the way that the LA Galaxy ended up winning an award at at the MLS Awards just a little. Quick, quick, so, interesting. So, one. does she sing the Vancouver game? Do they save her for the playoffs? I mean, I think she's a playoff person, right? I mean, okay. don't 
Don't you do that? And and you can almost start talking about that. That's the crazy thing that, you know, we can sort of talk. I wanted to give you, um, I have a bunch of stats, but this is the one that we've been sort of keeping track of. Um, and it's been 1,051 days since the Galaxy's last playoff game, Kevin. And 1,000... Emma Malia wasn't even alive then. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... It wasn't that long ago. It was 2015, wasn't it? It's 2016? Okay. Maybe it was well, 20, she's 2015. Like four. She's four, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was 2016 was the, was the last one um, whenever they uh, they made the playoffs. And it's been 1,751 days since the uh, last MLS Cup win, of course, in 2014. Um, I, I say that just because, you know, I, I used to say it to sort of gauge where this, where this organization was pointed and sort of, you know, to understand how long it's been since the LA Galaxy were in a position in which to do it. But it feels like that playoff streak is coming to an end here in terms of uh, those, those consecutive days of not making the playoffs. Um, so that seems like that's one of those things that will, uh, that will happen here. And, and it's, it's an interesting thing to do. I also had, we, we talked about the home wins and you talked about the home record as well. And, and the importance of being home that also leads me to believe that leaving Zlatan home then for midweek isn't great because if you play a midweek, uh, and you get a point or you get three points out of that, let's say, uh, that really helps your sort of home playoff chances even more. And so I, I, I tend to believe the RSL game actually doesn't matter all that much. And I know people will sort of argue with me about that. And I can understand why you would say that. Um, it's not that important of a game. And so far, I've been right on these in terms of when it's been an important game, when it's not. The Vancouver game is important. The Houston game is more important right now, it feels like, than the RSL game. The difference is that you can affect your playoff standing a lot with with the RSL game in terms of keeping them from getting points um, and then improving your own. And so uh, that, that could help. So anyway, looking at that, uh, I did some other things here and you talked about the home form. The Galaxy's 34 points at home right now is the most for an LA Galaxy team since 2015. So they had 39 points uh, in 2015 at home. But if the LA Galaxy beat Vancouver next Sunday, um, that their last home game of the 2019 season, uh, that would give them three more points, which would be 37 points at home. That 37 points would be tied for the fourth most points at home in club history, which to me uh, tells me that this team is is you know in in a different sort of level than we want to put them in in terms of that average team and they're just an average LA Galaxy team, which most stats sort of tell you that. But this home, you know, the, these home points tend to point a little bit differently and and they're not by the way off that much in terms of the greatest home performances ever in in club history because in 2011 they had 41 points at home kevin uh in 2014 they had 40 points at home in 2015 they had 39 points at home 2015 is a result of bad road performance right much like 20 uh 2019 this year um and then you go to 2013, where they had 37. So they would be tied with uh, with 2013's year at 37 home points. Just, you know, again, some stuff I dug up, and it just, you try to classify these things. These things, in my mind, the reason I have so many stats, Kevin, is it always sort of tries to give me a comparison of what I've seen before to what I'm seeing now, and if I can make that comparison. As we've talked many times about, you know, a 2012 LA Galaxy MLS Cup team that makes a late run, um, you know, does that make sense for this 2019 team? And I think so far we've proven no, it doesn't, because that 2012 team was way worse at the beginning of the year and way better at the end of the year. In fact, the second half of the season, way better. Um, well, yeah. The Galaxy has only missed the playoffs three years in a row once in franchise history. So so if they miss it this year, that would tie that record. I don't think they're going to. Guillermo said at the beginning of the season that making the playoffs was the goal. 
Um, he didn't talk a lot about MLS Cup, making the playoffs with the goal. And I think he he was very realistic in looking at that and saying, look, we're bringing in new coaching staff, a lot of new players. We haven't made the playoffs in two years. The organization's rebuilding. Let's just talk about getting to the playoffs, and then we'll see where we go from there. And I, I think that was a very wise approach for him, not to put too much pressure and start predicting. You know, everyone wants to hear the coach say, we're going to win the title, but that was, that was not realistic and would have put, I think, a lot of undue pressure on everybody. Having said that, they've expanded the playoff format this year. 14 of 24 teams, seven in each conference, are going to make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, you seriously suck. So the playoffs <laughs> is like the first goal. But you t- it, to talk about you know how they made the playoffs last time before Emma Malia was born, it, here's who started. Some of the starters in that game, Alan Gordon, right. Brian Rowe, Robbie Rogers, Yella Van Damme, Baggio Husidic started in that game. Mike McGee started in that game. On the bench, the backup goalkeeper was Dan Kennedy. Among the players who came off the bench in that game – were Steven Gerrard, Jeff Lorenowitz, and Robbie Keane. And Rafael Garcia was also in uniform for that game. So that was a long time ago. It feels like it was a long time ago. They played ago. that game with a leather ball. <laughs> I'm not sure it went that far. <laughs> but it was it was close. It was close. Uh, yeah, it was a leather stitch ball. It's still leather now, isn't it? Isn't it like a, a, a leather? Like, like some sort of animal hide. Well, yeah, leather's an animal hide. I don't know. Isn't it poly? Maybe it's like a manufactured substance. You're right. It's probably more plastic now than it used to be. So I don't... How do I not know what a what a, a modern-day soccer ball is made of? I, I research Research time. Time to go look it up on Google. That's probably what have I'll do. Have the research department. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get down r- to the third. Call down to the third floor and have someone get on that. Yeah, we'll get right on. That's in the, the COG research department. I'm pretty sure that's me too. Um, I think we've already touched on it, uh, Kevin. It, you know, the greatest goal scoring race in MLS history right now between Carlos Vela, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and Joseph Martinez. They have 82 combined goals from this trio. Uh, which is just so far beyond anything that MLS has seen. Uh, Carlos Vela, 29 goals right now. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, just two goals behind. It was one goal at one point. Um, one goal, uh, and then uh, then Carlos Vela got a uh, a 94th minute penalty kick uh, for LAFC. So uh, that widened the gap back up to two goals. But what did happen is Zlatan Ibrahimovic did uh, go one goal clear of Joseph Martinez, who ended up getting injured. Um, an ankle and knee injury. Did we already talk about that, or was that before we recorded? I can never keep track of all these things sometimes. I heard he was actually not as seriously injured as they thought, but he was on crutches. Ah, yes, that's what that's what I heard. So, uh, so he was on crutches. So his ankle and knee injury left the game early. Um, and Atlanta's 3-1 win. So we'll see whether or not he plays any minutes now for Atlanta United. But it looks I, like another team that doesn't need him to play because they've got a big lead and looks like. They're not going to catch LAFC, and they're and they they look like they're a lock to start the playoffs at home. So yeah, there's there's not too much for them uh, for them to play, except uh, they can still get that first round by, can't they? Um, aren't they are they within striking distance, or is New York City uh, too far away from them? I could probably look at the Eastern Conference. No, they standing. they're four points. New York City's four points ahead with three games to go. Yeah, and, yeah. So so they could do it. They it could. Would be, it would be difficult, but they it, could do it. And. Here's the big deal. New York City comes uh, plays Atlanta in at Yankee Stadium on oh. Wednesday. So postage stamp time. So yeah, well, yeah. Joseph Martinez isn't going to be there for that game. But anyway, um, at least I don't think so. That's my guess. I don't know. What if they played MLS Cup at Yankee Stadium? Oh, then we. Yeah, I think we fold up the league. I think I think it's it's an embarrassment uh, if that ends up happening. Um, that it can't happen. That can't happen. You move that game. You do not let it be played in a baseball stadium. It does not happen. And I don't care how much New York City supporters cry and moan and whine about that. You cannot let that happen. 
Um, and where do you go? You can't if you it, it is MetLife Stadium artificial turf. I don't know somewhere where you have to fly in turf. I don't care. It's it's one of those. It's like listen, league. You allowed this team to play at a, on a postage stamp inside of a baseball stadium. You deal with the repercussions. You find the place where they can play. Go. I don't care. Play anywhere else. I don't care if there's 5,000 people at a stadium for an MLS Cup. You do not play it at Yankee Stadium. That is. How about City Field? The Mets, the Mets are eliminated. <laughs> no baseball stadiums. No baseball stadiums. Uh, that's just that's just how I think. But anyway, yeah, I, 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 and they couldn't play it at Red Bull Arena because it would be too. I mean, I'm sure they would say it's too small. Oh no! Come on, you got to. That isn't that the obvious option. And how and how much do like New York City fans just like say no? I mean, if you're yeah, New how York embarrassing City, would that be? Yeah. That would be like if they played if the Galaxy made MLS Cup and the Chargers had a home game and they had to play it at Bank of California. Yeah, it's just uh, never gonna happen. That would people would go nuts. Yeah, except for the fact that uh, the difference there is that the Galaxy actually have a home. Where they that is theirs, and New York City borrow theirs from the Yankees. The Chargers could play at Bank of California. There you go. That's a great idea. Ugh. Okay, that sounds like fun. Um, anyway, so so we're in this. So this is something to keep in mind in terms of motivation for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and whether or not you think that motivates him or not, whether or not he plays at RSL, uh, this Golden Boot, the MVP, all of these things sort of uh, coming up right now in terms of you know. Whether or not Zlatan is going to, you know, finish this season with a uh, a certain flair or not. So I think he knows where Vela is. I think he knows how many goals he needs to score. I think he's aware of all of that because he seems like a guy who keeps track of all of that um, in his head. And if he tells you he doesn't, sometimes I think that uh, he's being just uh, he's just being Zlatan. Um, so it's something to watch and, and something to keep an eye on. But again, just two goals behind Carlos Vela right now. You know what else is really interesting is so we talk about Zlatan has. Um, 11 goals in his last seven games, right? So right. He's, he's really chasing this and he's going after the, uh, presumably going after the record or at least the, you know, scoring title, whatever. And you know, Carlos Vela has not exactly taken the end of the season off. He His penalty kick goal that you mentioned in the last game, he scored both LAFC goals in the two games since he's come back from that hamstring injury. And uh, he has a goal now in six straight starts and in eight of his last nine. So yeah, Zalatan is hot, but so is Carlos Vela. And yeah. It's kind of cool that this uh, scoring race is, it, you know, we're in the same city, the two stars, the two captains of these two teams, and they're both hot. No one's kind of backing into this thing. And then Joseph Martinez, who may not play again in the regular season, when he didn't score in this game that he got injured, that ended a goal-scoring streak of 15 games, an MLS record. So it's you talk about the scoring race, and everyone's focused on the playoffs, and rightly so, but that individual scoring race is pretty exciting, too. It, it's something we have never seen. Again, it, you know, it leads me to, and I joke about this. I think I send you this this text message all the time. You know, and I go, I go, Soccer City USA is right here in Los Angeles. Uh, in terms of you know all the goals being scored and just the uh, the hype around the two teams that are here, um, and what we're seeing now ca- should not be sort of put aside. You should probably you might tell your kids one day that you saw this goal scoring race come down and it was one of the greatest in MLS history and it was Vela and it was Ibrahimovic and it was Ibrahimovic at thirty eight freaking years old um which is just ridiculous and Zlatan brings that up all the time by the way it's sort of like yeah how old are they how old am I how many games have they played how many games have I played he really likes to to sort of throw that out and again I, I gave the anecdote of him talking to Jovan Karofsky um who's gave me a nice high whenever I walk by him on the, this last game um but yeah he was talking to Jovan and he goes Jovan can you believe this he goes he goes he goes if I was 28 instead of 38 he, he goes how many goals would I score in, in major league soccer you know so uh so Zlatan's aware of everything like I 
said that's going on, and uh, I think that continues to be that case. But you know what else is really cool? There are two different kind of players. Um, Zlatan has been, you know, used finesse and still uses finesse in this game. But right now, the way he's playing, he comes across to me as he, it's brute force. He is just physically better than so at 38, almost 38, physically better than any of the defense that he plays against. And he wills his his goals come from power. He wills those goals into the net. In my mind. Um, it's again, it reminds me of LeBron James just driving to the basket, not being stopped. Carlos Vela is Seth Curry. He's totally different. It's a finesse player. He relies on speed, technique. He's a little shifty, kind of a little tricky. Um, and they're, you know, one, two in the scoring race. And they're both from this city and the, the different styles, everything. It's just there for a great matchup. And it looks like they're on a collision course for the playoffs. Unfortunately, they can't meet in the MLS Cup final because that would be the perfect matchup. In fact, it looks like they're going to meet in the conference semifinals the way things are right now, not even in the in the conference final. Which is which is another just in just a bad sort of thing that I think the MLS is going to try to do this time. I think you, you we'll talk about it here in a second. But anyway, uh, they not by not reseeding things, um, you know, you could you cause these collision courses probably before they're supposed to happen. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll look at that. Um, the other thing that was sort of in, in Galaxy News right now is Christian Pavone was named MLS Team of the Week, and I think that you know that MLS got this one right. Uh, you don't see Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the MLS Team of the Week, and you don't see Oriel Antuna on the MLS Team of the Week. And there's a reason for that, and that is because Christian Pavone was probably the best, most dangerous player for the LA Galaxy. Although I think there is an argument that Joe Corona may have been the most dangerous player for the LA Galaxy. He ended up, by the way, uh, I told you that he had most touches um, with 87. I told you that he had most passes with 70. Well, he also had the most tackles with six. Um, so between him and Sebastian Legette, they dominated a lot of that midfield and a lot, and a lot of that, um, those statistics, uh, whenever you look at it, but Christian Pavone on the MLS team of the week, I think they got it right. Um, and that's how it should have been. All right. By the way, the, uh, research department on the third floor just called me and said, I've been saying Emma Malia. It's actually Malia Emma. Malia Emma. Oh, so you've yes. been, you've been, be- you've been first naming, last naming, but not. Yeah. I got it backwards. You got it backwards. Okay. That's okay. Well, maybe there was a comma in there. Yep. There, there, there could have been, you never know. Anyway, I, she should have been, she, she's going to be on the team of the week. She so. should, she should be. Um, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's go to standings right now. We, we've sort of hinted at them before, but, uh, the Eastern conference right now, it's New York city FC in first place in the Eastern conference, currently having that first round by with 58 points, uh, Atlanta United at 54, Philadelphia Union at 52, DC United at 48. That would round out those top uh, four. Yeah, excuse me, the top four who would have uh, the quote-unquote home field advantage. Um, and then you go down to number five with New York Red Bulls at 47 points, Toronto FC at 46 points, and New England Revolution at 41. Chicago Fire. Go Bruce. Yeah, I was gonna say Bruce Arena right there. By the way, I put out a tweet today, and it says it gives me endless amounts of chuckles uh, that both Bill Belichick and Bruce Arena are in the same stadium. Uh, I said there's a lot of sarcastic, surly comments coming out of those two coaches. And oh, man, the same you can't st- compare those two. Come on. Bruce is, Bruce is a puppy dog. He's great. Belichick is not. <laughs> they they both like to – they're, they're both very unique individual coaches. I love well, they Bruce. They are, but I, I, Bruce is funny and Belichick is mean. I agree with that 100%. I'm just saying that they, there's, still, there's still surly sarcasm coming out of both of those guys a lot. So You, you know, I, I sent Bruce a text message. It was his birthday on, on Saturday, and his team, the best that his team could do in the playoff race, the best his team could do was get him a draw. And I told him, and Montreal was chasing them at the time. Montreal has now been passed by Chicago. But Montreal was the team fighting the New England Revolution for that last playoff spot. And I sent Bruce a message telling him that I had heard the Galaxy 
uh, players had gone together as a group and decided they were going to buy Bruce a victory over Montreal for his birthday and uh, proved to be right. Yeah. Bruce was very thankful. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, Western Conference uh, now as you look. I was going to say Chicago Fire at 38, Montreal at 37. Um, there's some some iffy sort of uh, scenarios that get uh, you know Montreal back into the playoff race, although it certainly has shrunk a little bit. And Chicago Fire just on the outside looking in as well. So uh, with their new, new sort of uh, or their move to downtown, uh, back to downtown from, from Bridgeview. Yeah, Mon- from Bridgeview. Montreal has 17 losses. How are they even in the playoff conversation? 11 wins. They're they're almost like the LA Galaxy. 17 winning. losses. That's insane. There's six games under 500, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs. There are too many teams in the postseason. You know what you should do then? You should add more teams. Oh, wait, there's two more teams coming in next year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's going to happen. They're, they're, I'm guessing they hold this line at seven now here from probably here on out for a while. Uh, and then they add some more teams as it comes along. All right. Uh, Western Conference, it's LAFC at 65 points. Uh, they are basically, I think, one win away from cr- clinching the supporter yeah, shield. one point. Uh, really. one, yeah, one point away from, so yeah, even even close from that. So basically, uh, that looks like that gets wrapped up this weekend um, for them. Uh, Seattle Sounders at 50 points. So the, the race here is all from two to basically eight. Um, and that's where everything's going. The Seattle Sounders right now, uh, who went to D.C. United and lost this weekend, I believe, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they have 50 points. Uh, they stayed there. Minnesota United, 49 points. Um, in third place, the LA Galaxy in 48, uh, with 48 points in fourth place. Then you go down to Real Salt Lake in fifth place with 47. Uh, that's the LA Galaxy's opponent coming up. And then FC Dallas with 45 points. San Jose Earthquakes with 44 points. And the Portland Timbers with 44 points. Colorado Rapids back there at 39 points. Um, the the big thing to sort of look at here, though, of course, is FC Dallas, uh, who has played 32 games, the same as the Seattle Sounders, who have played 32 games in that Western Conference. Uh, the Colorado Rapids have played 32 games as well. So whenever you look at those 32 gamers, understand that their rise, their ascent, will be limited by the fact that they only have two games left while everybody else has three games left. And so. the Galaxy are second in the conference in wins behind only LAFC. That's the first tiebreaker. Wins, not not goal differential, with the Galaxy finally in positive territory, but wins. So the essentially the Galaxy, almost it's almost like they have a game in hand. They, they do right now. Um, with the 15 total wins that they have, they have one more win than Seattle, who has played one more game than them. They have uh, one more win than Minnesota, who is even on games. They have one more win than Real Salt Lake. So when we talk about that... Uh, that's one of those things that we need to watch about that we talk about how if this midweek game is important or not, Kevin, you have to look at the wins. You have to look at the LA Galaxy who are playing Real Salt Lake. You have to understand what that win would do for Real Salt Lake in terms of the tiebreaker or anything else that sort of goes there and whether or not the Galaxy and them end up on the same number of points. So there's lots of, of ramifications from you know this midweek game with Real Salt Lake and and what they can do and how that affects uh, where the LA Galaxy are in the playoffs. So you know I'm going to tell you that it's not a must win. Uh, I'm going to tell you that it's not a must draw. I'm going to tell you that the LA Galaxy can lose this game and it probably doesn't affect their chances of getting into the playoffs. Um, but having said all that, this particular game still could have some important ramifications for for where the LA Galaxy could end up. And why is that important? Because if they stay where they are now, they would play Real Salt Lake and Real Salt Lake stays where they are. They would play Real Salt Lake at Dignity Health Sports Park in the first round of the playoffs. But if they can move up one spot, they will also open at home. But then they would open against the sixth place team, which 
you know, is much better right now. That would be Dallas. Dallas is not going to be around. It's probably likely to be San Jose or Portland. And if they were to move up to second, which they can do because Seattle's played one fewer, uh, one more game already. The Galaxy played one fewer game. If they can move up to second, again, they open at home. Then they play uh, the seventh place, the last playoff qualifier, which would be either San Jose or Portland. It, then uh, they wouldn't play LAFC until the conference final. They drop into the lower half of the bracket, which is where they want to be. Um, I think they want to avoid that uh, El Trafico 3 as long as possible. Yes, I know the Galaxy have not lost uh, to LAFC, but y- you have to admit that that's the most difficult opponent in in the bracket right now. So the higher they can go, the better off they're going to be and the longer they're going to put off that game with LAFC. Um, you know, I think that's the way to go. Dallas is done. I mean, I, I just don't see Dallas surviving having, uh, they have to be almost perfect for here from here on out. And they have some tough games coming up. Everybody is just kind of falling apart. You know, the rest of the conference is just kind of falling apart as we get close to the playoffs here. I think San Jose has lost their last three games. Um, uh, uh, Portland is really struggling and they're struggling at home, which is strange. Um, You know, it's just it's almost like they're handing it to the Galaxy. Well, I mean, it would be crazy, you know, if somebody predicted that everybody would fall apart and that treading water would move you up the standings and do all this. Oh, wait, somebody did predict that. Uh, it was Larry wasn't me. Morgan was telling me that the other no, day. No, no, it wasn't. No, don't try to steal this one. This is one <laughs> of my. I get to. I get to say I told you so the whole time. Everybody's saying, you know, how these results went the LA Galaxy's way. I had looked at the schedule. We had looked at it. You, the the characteristics of this Western Conference are very clear. All right, it is nobody gaining any momentum. Nobody really gaining any foothold. Um, outside of LAFC, who's run away with it? It has been guy. It has been teams that are mediocre, and that's what you're but, seeing. Uh, but a lot you of talk about teams not building momentum. LAFC is on a season-long five-game winless streak. Yes, they've gotten points, but five-game winless streak. We all saw it. Lake has four points from its last three games. Dallas, two points from its last three games. San Jose's lost three in a row. Portland has just one point in its last three games. The Galaxy and Colorado, who are basically out of it, are the only teams that have any traction at all right now. Yeah, the Galaxy are right are in the elevator. Hey, yeah, but the LA Galaxy were horrible before this, right? So if you're saying that everything sort of, you know, regresses to the mean, right? Everything comes back to the average, you're seeing sort of what that is. We've seen the LA Galaxy's average sort of position be in that third spot, in that second spot, in that fourth spot. And where are they now? They're in that fourth spot. They're fighting for that third and that second spot. So, I mean, Again, it, it's all sort of just in the averages you look at. Uh, there was once a, a study, and I forget who did this sort of statistical analysis about teams right now uh, or teams that um, are, are the way teams look through a certain week in MLS is usually like the way they are, meaning that you're not going to usually don't have a team that just suddenly gets so much better than they are, gets so much worse than they are after a certain number of weeks. And, and in my mind, that's always with about, you know, six, eight weeks left in the season, you pretty much understand who is who. Somebody might still make a run. Somebody might still try to try to push forward, and you can do that, but there probably should have been signs earlier in the year that they were capable of doing that. Uh, if the Galaxy go and run this out and run the table through the, through the rest of these last three games, uh, you can go back and look at you know a successful start to the season and sort of say, yeah, this Galaxy team was capable of that. They may have lost that capability in the middle, but they were capable of making that run uh, in the middle. So that's just... That's, and that's and you know when a lot of this started, the struggles for these other teams, as well as the Galaxy getting hot. But it started really with the international break at the start of this month. I mean, remember, remember Seattle lost 
uh, I think, 10 players. They had to go. They had to call some players up from their USL affiliate to go play that game in Colorado, which was actually a rescheduled game that was canceled by weather. But um, and, and everybody else has just gone in the tank since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, uh, Seattle's won just one game since that international break, and they were they had a, a unbeaten streak coming into that a three game unbeaten streak coming into that international break. So uh, once again, the MLS schedule makers by not uh, adhering to the international schedule that all every other league in the in the world uses uh, has complicated the playoff picture for a lot of these teams in my mind. Uh, the LA Galaxy right now according to 538 have a greater than 99% chance of making the playoffs. Minnesota United has a greater than 99% chance of making the playoffs. Seattle greater than 99% chance. Real Salt Lake has a 98% chance of making the playoffs. Again, that sort of goes into Josh's whole, it doesn't really, the result won't necessarily change the the um, outcome for either of those teams, but uh, it will be for seeding, and this doesn't account for seeding. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes have a 71% chance of making the playoffs, according to 538.com. Portland Timbers have 73% chance, and FC Dallas have a 58% chance. Uh, what about Colorado? Just They're just still mathematically alive. Do they have any chance? It, they're not on my list, and I had to okay. truncate it, so I didn't get to go all the way down, but I imagine... Oh, I do know the answer to it. They have a less than 1% chance because yeah, I, right. I truncated it basically at the 5%. Right under the 5%, I cut it off. Um, and everybody else was right around you know a, a less than 1% chance. Yeah, uh, mathematically possible, but... Yeah, Montreal has... I is, hate math. Yeah, Montreal has a 5% chance right now. Orlando City has a 5% chance uh, on the Eastern Conference So side. if Bruce Arena gets... What's his uh, the revolution? What's their 68% percentage? chance. Does he win Coach of the Year if, if they make it? Uh, no. Team was two eight and two when he took over. I mean, they he won't. Um, they might make it up next year whenever he has a good season. But I, I just don't think. Usually, the midseason replacements uh, that come in don't don't get those uh those those thumbs up like that. Uh, usually it's somebody who uh who has an outstanding year. I mean, uh, I I know who I think it's going to be. Um, Almeida? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, uh, I think that especially with uh with his. Uh, uh, performance, his his outbursts, his his theatrics that he puts in there. I don't think that people will feel comfortable voting for him, even though I think he's done a great job with San Jose. I think Bob Bradley probably wins it. Um, just really? okay, yeah. I, and and people are going to say that's easy. Um, just sort of give it to the best team. But you know, you look at what LAFC has done, and so there's some there's some reasoning behind that. I'm, no, I'm voting for Bruce. I'm, I'm sure you would. Um, the bracket. I don't get a vote in any of that. So yeah, do it's I get fine. a vote? Maybe I do. You get a vote. I do not get a vote. Um, let's see. The bracket itself again is one. Uh, the number one seeds on each side get the buy. Then it goes four versus five. The Galaxy are currently four. Five currently is Real Salt Lake. Uh, then it would go three, six, and two, seven. Uh, and then it would be one versus the winner of four, five. And then the winner of three, six versus the winner of two, seven. Uh, and then you get all the way to MLS Cup. I've I've looked at it. If as long as you don't get that first round buy, Kevin, there are four games. If you win four games, you win MLS Cup. Uh, one, two, three, four, four levels of the bracket. You win but four games. There's a games. long break too. There's a, especially for those teams that get that first round by. They have what almost two weeks off, right? Yeah. They so the decision day is on October sixth. We know that. Then the first games are not played until October nineteenth and twentieth. Um, then it's a rapid turnaround, and there will be games on the twenty third and twenty fourth of October. And then a week later, basically on Tuesday and Wednesday, you're going to go um, October 29th and thirtieth in order to avoid Halloween. There, it looks like. Um, but they'll go the Tuesday and Wednesday, and that will be your conference finals. So the 29th and 30th will be your conference finals on tu- on Tuesday and Wednesday, October 29th and October 30th. Then you get in no- into November. So there's no games on the 31st of October, and then you have to wait all the way until November 10th. 
um, to play in that MLS Cup. Why, why the big break between decision day and the first round of the playoffs and then the big break between the conference finals and the MLS Cup? Do you know why? So the first one, the first break is for the international break. because They're both an, for the international break. Well, the, but the international break, I think, takes over right after MLS Cup. But um, it's it's yeah, just, it is. again, ridiculous. I just don't like those long breaks. You're used to playing. You get in a routine. You play 34 games in six months. You play basically a game every six days. I think it averages out to. Um, and then all of a sudden you're saying, hey, before the biggest game of the season, we're going to give you guys two and a half weeks off. Well, I mean, but you, your whole argument there is that MLS doesn't adhere to a FIFA calendar, but then they break for the FIFA calendar and they do it correctly and you're still angry at them. You can't yes, have it both yes, ways. Of course. Yeah, I can. I can <laughs> yeah. both, it can't be right both times, but I have it both ways. Yeah, so so that's it is. There's a FIFA break basically until October 7th to the 15th. Uh, then they come back and there's games on the 19th and 20th. There's games on the 23rd and 24th. There's games on the 29th and 30th. And then after having gone through that marathon, which is basically, you know, all those four games in one week, uh, two weeks, three weeks, about three weeks where you play four games, um, then they give everybody about 10 days off um, where they come back and they then play the MLS Cup on November 10th. So for, for me, I think that works. I don't think you can be too angry. Uh but- the ga- I don't know. The lovely and talented Mrs. Bato is not uh, not happy with that. She she wouldn't be happy if it was the old schedule either. So it doesn't really matter. Okay. I told her it would be over a lot easier, a lot sooner this year. I, again, plenty of time for for a bit. December nineteenth, plenty of time. Um, the Galaxy schedule right now, uh, Wednesday, September twenty fifth, against Real Salt Lake. We'll give you a brief preview of that coming up here in uh, just about thirty seconds. Uh, and then Sunday, September 29th, uh, the last home game of the season. Again, Galaxy chances set some home records, sort of. Uh, whenever you look at the points and uh, and the number of wins. Uh, so Sunday, September 29th, that's a 4.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff against the Vancouver Whitecaps. It's mathematically possible that that could be Zlatan's last game at Dignity Health Sports Park. Not likely, but possible. But possible, correct. Um, and then you have uh, the Houston Dynamo away, the last game of the season, which... If the Galaxy take care of business on Wednesday night, if they get a draw, they get a win against against Vancouver, it looks like that game against Houston will be seeding only. They will. It looks like they'll probably have clinched an MLS playoff spot. Which is a sad thing for me. Yeah, because then you don't get to go. You don't get to right. go to that Houston game. I get to go to Houston if it means something. If it doesn't mean anything, I don't get to go. I don't think you're going. I already told you. I, I, I don't think that's happening. I haven't, I haven't bought the airline ticket yet, but I do have a hotel. Yeah, but you know, you bought that on points anyway. Nobody, yeah, nobody, nobody here. really cares. Downtown, yeah. that's nice. Right. That's right. That, now everybody knows. Playoffs will be going on then. Too. Now everybody knows where you'll be if you do go. So that'll no, be. There fun. are multiple courtyards. I'm so. sure. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. All right. Uh, the LA Galaxy tip playing against Real Salt Lake coming up 6:30 p.m. kickoff time, uh, Pacific time. That's 7:30 Mountain time. This game broadcast on Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, the LA Galaxy, as we said, currently sitting in third place, or excuse me, fourth place, with Real Salt Lake sitting in fifth place. And as Kevin, you uh, reminded me before, this is a potential playoff matchup because if the playoffs started right now, the LA Galaxy would host Real Salt Lake in the four-five game. Um, at Dignity Health Sports Do you think Park. anyone cares about that? And, and this is a serious question because let's say the, the Galaxy says, okay, we are going to leave Zlatan home. Certainly they're going to play another way. Real Salt Lake can't use that tape to look at how they're going to prepare for them. You know, same thing with with, Kent, uh, with Salt Lake. Do you think that there's so many things that could happen in the last three games? Do you think either team looks at that and says, we're not going to show them our A game because we don't want them to know how we're going to play in the playoffs? Nope. 
I don't think so either. Okay, good. That was too was, far away. Yeah, it was. It, it seems too far away. It's also there's nothing guaranteed yet. We told you 538 has the LA Galaxy at a 99 greater than 99 percent chance to make the playoffs, but they could literally fall anywhere between seven and second. They um, could be playing the playoffs at home, and they could be watching the playoffs from home. They they could. There's still an outside chance. I think a lot of things would have to go uh, go go against them, uh, and I just don't see that happening in the Western Conference as we sort of outlined it. Um, but the I mean these two teams are basically right on top of each other, no matter how you look at it. 48 points from the LA Galaxy, 47 points from Real Salt Lake, 15, 13, and three from the LA Galaxy, 14, 12, and five from Real Salt Lake. Uh, their home records, by the way, 11, four, and one for the LA Galaxy, 11, three, and one for um, Real Salt Lake, who has a chance to have more home points there, also get that win tiebreaker um, over the LA Galaxy as well. So um, there's lots of little games within the game. The Galaxy just 4-9-2 on the road this year. Um, and I'll say that the last time the LA Galaxy played at Real Salt Lake, it was September 1st, 2018, and RSL beat them 6-2. to two. Uh, maybe people need to be reminding the LA Galaxy of that as they go over. The last time these two teams met earlier this season, April 28, 2019, it was a 2-1 win for the LA Galaxy over Real Salt Lake. So, um, And they're flying commercial. They are flying commercial. I've been told by the LA Galaxy that there are currently no plans to charter any uh, any flights from here to the end of the regular season. What happens in the playoffs, we can we can find they're, out but i'll tell you they're chartering the bank of california yeah, i know that they're gonna yeah, they're gonna take a helicopter or something i'm sure <laughs> yeah uh, that's how it works uh but yeah you look at this um albert rusnak is is the leading goal scorer for real salt lake zlatan ibrahimovic has 17 more goals than albert rusnak um but the la galaxy also have a large gap between their first and their second which is uh uriel antuna who i uh jokingly asked on Saturday night if he was trying to chase Zlatan down now that he was in sole possession of second place on the LA Galaxy scoring charts and he laughed and shook his head at me uh, and then went on to tell me that you know Zlatan Ibrahimovic can do whatever he wants to do which is a true which is a true thing he's he's not on the same level but he at least laughed and, and joked around a little bit and he told you that in English he is I, I think we talked about it on uh, on Thursday night that he has been he's been dabbling in English and I have so much respect for that I would never be might Kevin knows my Spanish is not something I yeah wait till you learn English yeah I'm waiting for that they, we're, we're, we're gonna get there eventually um, but yeah th there's a reason I talk and and I don't write as much as I as I do that's for sure um, but anyway you look at that so um, you know Sam Johnson with nine goals Jefferson Savarino with seven goals uh, we'll get game notes coming out on Tuesday and that should tell us every Everybody who's suspended, not suspended. The LA Galaxy shouldn't have anybody suspended on yellow card accumulation. Rolf Felcher will be back. Um, so he actually got a little break in there. The LA Galaxy still got the win. But if you're looking at these two uh, to these two teams, they are just neck and neck right on top of each other. And I think that going to Real Salt Lake at altitude on a bouncy field, because uh, that place is always bouncy. Rio Tinto Stadium has, a, for whatever reason, seems to have a hard pan there. So that ball just bounces up and down and does all sorts of crazy, crazy things. Um, I think that the LA Galaxy usually play those games at a little bit of a disadvantage, um, you know, with the altitude and just RSL. These two, these two teams don't necessarily, it's not a rivalry, but they don't like each other. Um, certainly. And so, you know, you would expect that, that the LA Galaxy are going to have a little bit of problems. And as a matter of fact, RSL has seven wins. Uh, they have just four losses and seven draws to the LA Galaxy at Salt Lake. So uh, the Galaxy had a bit of a disadvantage, just four wins there uh, all time. So, Which is not really Salt Lake. It's not. It's Sandy, Utah. Sandy, Utah. Um, that's right. Yes. That's right. Beautiful, uh, beautiful view from the press box there. It was one. If, if, if they always make this game midweek, and it, and then I never get to go. 
And I keep being like, that's one of those ones that I want to go to. I thought about going to the Houston game, and then I asked my wife about that, and she said, if you want to die, you can go to that Houston game. And I said, okay, so I guess I'll stay home. So you got to think about it. I guess, <laughs> so huh? a little die bit. or go to the game. Hmm. That's right. I'll, but but Kevin's going to go, and then then you're not going to go because there's no reason for you to. All right. Uh, I think that does it. Are we good? We got, we, yeah, this was a long one. Yeah, well, it happens. What do you want me to say? Um, there was End a lot of, of stuff season. to talk about. Yeah, it is. End of the season, lots of stuff to talk about. I know I don't necessarily like podcasts creeping up longer and longer, but when there's a lot of information, we do it. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I think you know we have some staying power here is we don't just talk and, and ramble on. We're not trying to give you stuff that you don't need. So hopefully you found all of that useful. It's all stuff that you need. And now you can go be the smartest uh, Galaxy fan at your next family barbecue. So You know what? I know for the, for the 700th show, which this is actually the 700th show, but yeah. for the one that you're counting, I know you're trying to get some big name guests on there and we won't tell anybody who they are. They have to turn in, tune in Thursday and find out. But for your playoff preview, I say we get Malia Emma. Yeah. You, you, you what's she get? Is she going to sing the national anthem on our podcast? That would be awesome. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll start all, all, all effort behind the scenes, as they say, all effort behind the scenes. All right. Uh, let's see if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at K Baxter 11. Go ahead on, head on over to latimes.com where you can get all of his wonderful soccer writing as well, covering soccer in Southern California, U S men's national team, U S women's national team as well. If it happens in soccer at Southern California, Kevin usually gets put on assignment to go, go cover it. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jake Esman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find all of our articles, our videos, uh, our podcasts, all that fun stuff. Our shop is there as well. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll see you on Thursday for show number 700. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.